Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream from the Paul Korea Studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Happy New Year! The first episode of 2023 is here, and I guess in a way, it's sort of everyone's Jordan year this year. I hope the holidays wrapped up nicely for you and you enjoyed your time with family and friends. Now, the Ducks rang in the new year with their first game on Monday night against the Philadelphia Flyers on January 2nd. And it wasn't the way the team wanted to start the new year, though. I will say only three games on Monday night, including the Winter Classic, and then two additionals, one of them being that Ducks game. And the Ducks did fall in this one 4-1 to one at Honda Center against the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, unfortunately, I was not at the game on Monday. I wasn't feeling too great, not 100%. But I did watch the game from home on my couch. So here are AD's takeaways from it. The Ducks struggled on the power play in this one going 0 for 5. They were able to put 29 shots on goal in total, but they just didn't get any production when the team was going 5 on 5. So it was going to be important for them to have that man advantage and try to take advantage of that, and they were not able to do it. But on the flip side, they did do well on the penalty kill, an area that has continued to improve this season. And they kind of stayed out of the box as well, too. Only two penalties despite a very chirpy second period from the Flyers. Now, on the Flyers' side, four of their guys had multi-point nights, definitely adding to that four-goal win that they did have. But for Anaheim, Ryan Strom was the one to net the only goal on the night with just 40 seconds left to play. Certainly not enough time in the game to make a difference, though. But it did keep the Flyers from having a shutout. From my perspective, on the goalie end, John Gibson in net for this one, there was a couple goals that were let in that probably should not have been let in. But overall, it just was not a good night for the Anaheim Ducks. The team is now 1-3-1 halfway through this franchise record 10-game homestand that we're seeing right now at Honda Center. And to date this season, their record is 10-24-4. Hoping to find more success in this new year in 2023. And to do so, they will be taking on the Dallas Stars tonight, that being a Wednesday night. And this is the second time that these two teams have met this season. The first meeting coming back on December 1st in Dallas. Dallas had a dominant 5 nothing win, shutting out the Ducks. But one big thing in this game tonight... John Klingberg will be facing his former team after spending the last eight NHL seasons in Dallas. Really excited for him tonight. And he seemed excited about it this morning when we chatted with him after the morning skate. So here are a couple of the things that he shared with us. Uh, just one of the other games, so uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, friendly faces out there, obviously, but they're going to be on the other side tonight. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but it's a, I think it's a big game for both teams. Who's the biggest uh, chirp? I think there's going to be a lot of them actually. I feel like I'm pretty close to a lot of them. So uh, Jamie's probably going to be there. Segi's going to be there too. Pavelski. Some of the Finns too, probably. My old deeper uh, deep partner, SL Lindell, is probably going to be there too. So that oh, should be fun. Who are you looking forward to uh, going up against the most or going around or 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to play against Miro. Uh, we all know how good he is. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see how it is from the other side. And obviously that top line, uh, I feel like um, I know them pretty well. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see uh, if I can uh, if I can help our team to stop them a little bit. It's time for the very first coast-to-coast -coast segment of the new year. The best goal calls in NHL news from around the league, beginning with the Boston Bruins and Pittsburgh Penguins Winter Classic game on Monday afternoon. Of course, we have to start with this one. It is one of my very favorite events each season that the NHL puts on because, I mean, who doesn't love to watch outdoor hockey? Yes, the conditions aren't always great. We don't get the snow. We don't get the cold in some of these places. Like kind of what we saw on Monday, 50 degrees in Boston at Fenway Park. But the setting was beautiful. The players showing up in the classic jerseys for the Red Sox and the Pirates. I mean, what, what more could you ask for, honestly? Maybe some better ice conditions, I will say, though, because the players were sliding around on that ice, and I think it made a difference in this game. It wasn't a super competitive, exciting game that we might expect in some of these games, but I think the Penguins kind of outplayed the Bruins in this one, despite the outcome, the Bruins getting that 2-1 to one win. The NHL on TNT crew did a fantastic job with this one. If you're watching the game, some of those voices might sound familiar as we've had them right here on Light the Lamp previously. So looking at this game, there were no goals in the first period, but the Penguins were the ones to get on the board first, a big goal from Kasperi Kapanen. But the Bruins were able to answer back, and that was Jake DeBrusque that did it. He would end up being the hero in this game. Two goals. Both of them in the third period, not only to tie the game, but to win it with under three minutes to play. So Judd Surratt has the call of the winner from Fenway Park. The right side, Krejci, over the line, high slot. Left circle now, Hall cuts in, couldn't get away a backhand, they score! Jake DeBrusque has got a pair, he grabbed it back door, buried it just inside the far post. Next up, the Buffalo Sabres and Washington Capitals faced off, and in light of the DeMar Hamlin situation, a very special thing happened in Buffalo with Tage Thompson in this game on Tuesday night. Here is the stat line from this game for Thompson. The game happened on January 3rd. Thompson had a hat trick, so three goals. And this was his third hat trick of the season. Not only that, but his 30th goal of the season. And the winning goal for this game came three minutes into overtime. Really just gives me chills saying all of that. Our thoughts and prayers are with DeMar right now, his family and friends and the whole community in Buffalo. Listen to the call now of each of Thompson goals from WGR 550 AM. 90 seconds to go on the man advantage. Dolene up top. Here comes the one-timer. Scores! Tage Thompson's having a night already. 2-1 Buffalo. Tuck trying to lean his way in. Protects the puck with the backhand. Holds it. Spins it. Thompson scores! Oh! Alex Tuck gave it right back after Thompson set him up with a beauty. Alex Tuck returns the favor for Tage Thompson for second of the game. 
Tuck got a stick on that one down low. He does again. He's got Thompson out front. Thompson with the puck. Takes shot. Scores! <laughs> Tate Thompson with a hat-trick goal to win it in overtime. What a beauty. Next up on Tuesday night, the Islanders had a big 6-2 win over the Canucks at Rogers Arena. And Matt Barzell was a part of the evening having a three-point night. Barzell having a goal and two assists. His goal coming towards the end of the second period, it was unassisted, but it was a rocket of a shot. That's why I had to include it in this one. And it extended the Isles' lead 3-1 to one in the game. Now, New York is now fifth in the Metropolitan Division right now with 46 points this season, a division that continues to be very competitive. Chris King has the call of the goal as a part of WGHU's 88.7 FM call. Chance for the Islanders, Barzell, shoots, he scores! Matt Barzell from the slot, rings it in off the right post, and the BC native makes it 3-1 Islanders, three straight goals for New York. And last but not least, the Winnipeg Jets and Calgary Flames also facing off on Tuesday night. The Jets pulling out a close 3-2 win. Now, Winnipeg continues their climb with 49 points, and they're currently second in the Central Division behind the Dallas Stars. Sam Gagne netted what would be the game winner at 14-20 in the third period with just a few minutes to spare, and the Jets have now won three straight games. Listen to the call now by Paul Edmonds. Back in behind the net for Dubois, for Sandberg, far side, Hanela shoots, he scores! Deflected in front, I think it was Sam Gagne, and Winnipeg has regained the lead. It's 3-2 for the Jets. I already talked about this year's Winter Classic, so that brings me to next year's Winter Classic, the 2024 one. The Seattle Kraken will be hosting it at T-Mobile Park against the Vegas Golden Knights on January 1st. This should be interesting because Seattle gets a lot of rain. So is it going to be raining for the Winter Classic? But one thing to note about this, T-Mobile Park does have a roof that can open and close. So they'll have to see if they're able to play with the roof open or if the conditions are going to be bad. I'm not sure, but I'm excited to see a Winter Classic out west. This is the first time we're having a Winter Classic far west. The furthest west we've had one so far was the Cotton Bowl Stadium in 2020. So now we're just getting a little bit closer to Anaheim. Maybe the Ducks will eventually get one. And you have to give hats off, though, because the NHL usually does a great job of having everything prepared. So I'm sure despite whatever the weather will be in Seattle next year, everything will go off smoothly. Now, I want to give a quick update on the World Juniors that's going on as the USA and Canada game is taking place today in the semifinals, as well as Sweden and Czechia also in the semifinals The World Juniors wraps up on Thursday this week with the championship and third place games taking place in Halifax. Both of these games are still going to be broadcasted on the NHL network from Scotiabank Center. Throughout this tournament, it's no surprise you've probably heard his name, maybe seen his highlights on Twitter, Connor Bedard leading the tournament with an impressive eight goals and 13 assists, combining for 21 total points so far for Team Canada. 
as of Wednesday before their game, he had an unreal overtime game winner versus Slovakia on Monday night, just dangling his way through traffic in the ozone and putting it past the goaltender. He is outstanding to watch, and no wonder he's going to be likely the first over not even likely he's going to be the first overall pick in the NHL draft now this year. But let's also take a look at some of the Ducks prospects that are still playing in this tournament. Olin Zellweger has five assists so far for five points. Nathan Gaucher has one goal and three assists, making up for four points. He's also 11th in the tournament for his faceoff percentage at 55.7%. And then the last prospect, Tyson Hines, having two goals for two points. And he also has a plus nine rating right now. He's tied for seventh in the tournament on that end. And one last area on the prospects. Canada's power play is first in the tournament right now, sitting at about 50%. Zellweger is a part of the first unit of that, and Gaucher is on the second unit. So if you're watching the tournament, make sure to look out for those three guys as we get closer to that championship game, potentially if Canada is able to pull off the win against the U.S. today. And one last piece of prospect news on the Ducks end. Pavel Minchikov made OHL history on Tuesday this week, becoming the first player to win the League Defenseman of the Month award for three consecutive months. He had a big month of December with two goals and 14 assists in just 10 games. Five straight multi-point games in that as well, and he's currently third among OHL skaters in points with 51 in 34 games. Hats off to Pavel. Great season so far. Keep up the hard work. As we look ahead to the next segment with my very first guest of 2023, she is someone I've known for a number of years and an early mentor for me when I was still in college at Michigan State. Michelle McMahon has years of experience working in the hockey sphere, and I'm excited to share more of her story in this next interview. Joining Light the Lamp now is Michelle McMahon, the sideline reporter for the Dallas Stars on Valley Sports Southwest. Michelle, my friend, how are you doing today? How has California been treating you? Oh, my gosh. I'm so good, Alexis. It's so good to see you again. I'm so proud of you from knowing you from such a young age to the amazing broadcaster you've blossomed into. California is rainy and cold. <laughs> I don't know why this happens. Like, everywhere we've gone that's supposed to be warm – well, I guess we had one nice day in Florida, but it has turned out to be like cold and rainy and gray, and mm. it's a little depressing, I won't lie. But I still love California. I love the food, and I, the people are so nice. Like every Lyft driver I've had here is like, hi, how are you? How's your day? Aww. How was your New Year so far? So I appreciate that. I love California. Now, I know you got to play a little bit of pickleball when you got here. Hopefully it wasn't raining for that, but I'm curious, you know, you've been a part of the professional coverage for pickleball now. It's a passion of yours. Where did that begin for you? Well, the obvious answer to this one was the passion began at a very early age. I would say 2006 in high school. Okay. I was actually one of the earliest adopters. Interesting. I think I must have been one of the earlier adopters of pickleball because um, my gym teacher is the one that introduced us to the sport initially. And we had this class called Advanced Lifetime Activities. And I was the girl, like, in third hour, right before lunch, would go in like guns a-blazing, like really, really fired up to um, play in my uh, 
all the sports. So I would come out of gym class like sweaty as can be. So badminton and pickleball were like my favorite sports. And so literally I like after high school, I'm like, that's, that's a great sport. Like Mm -hmm. never going to play pickleball again. That was just a wooden paddle in gym class. And then full circle moment, my parents bought a home in Naples, Florida, the pickleball capital of the world in 2019. (laughs) Sure enough, pickleball re-entered my life and I was, my mom was like you're gonna love it they have four pickleball courts in the retirement community I'm like no way this is amazing and so that's really where like my love re-began mm-hmm. and during COVID I had no work I had nothing going for me all I had was pickleball and it brought me joy every day and I was like I don't care what else is going on in life? I'm just going to do one thing that makes me happy and it's pickleball. And then it kind of resurrected my broadcast career and brought a lot of amazing people into my life. So honestly, it's kind of a sentimental love story. So that's why I'm so connected to it. Yeah, I really do love it. (laughs) Our TV analyst, Brian Hayward actually plays a lot of pickleball too. So if you see him tonight, you'll have to talk to him about that. Oh, (laughs) yes, I will. Absolutely. I, I would love to. Do you feel like it kind of fulfills your, I mean, you were a college athlete, you played volleyball. Do you kind of feel like it fills your competitive spirit still? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm like totally, um, I have so much unearned confidence in the sport of pickleball. I feel like when I'm out there, I'm like, I am a professional, (laughs) even though I look back and I'm like, you were so bad, but yes, it a hundred percent scratches that itch if you will and it's so fun and you know what I love the most about it like I was at some courts out in Columbus some indoor courts and I'm looking over and I see this old grandma playing with her young like six-year-old grandson and then it must be like their her son or daughter whatever whoever the family was like all the vendors like it's just really cool like it, it like it crosses over so many barriers um which I love about the sport. And if you follow Major League Pickleball, it's another league that I that I um, work for. Lee Whitwell is one of the best women players on the circuit. She's 57 years old, and she hits, like, line drive winners mm. in singles against these, like, 20-something stud men. And it's freaking awesome. Like, it's so cool. It's such a fun sport. It's so unifying. It's, I don't know, it's community-based. I love it. Well, you've covered a lot of sports. <laughs> you didn't know it's going to be an infomercial. No, no, I, I love it because I haven't played pickleball yet. And I feel like I need to, especially out here because it is pretty popular. Oh my gosh, you have to. <laughs> it's such a fun way to make friends too. Like mm-hmm. you're newer to a city, like you just roll up. Once you learn how to play, you throw your paddle in, you make new friends. I'm telling you, I have met the coolest people. I have like started business ventures with people because of pickleball. Mm. It's crazy. The amount of connections mm. and just cool people you'll meet. It's great. And it's exercise. Right. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's great. Well, through all of the sports that you've covered, including pickleball now, I mean, your career has taken you to a variety of different places. I followed it, obviously, for a number of years. But how do you think that it's evolved for you in terms of your goals throughout these years? I mean, you've always covered hockey for a while, too. But, you know, where you're at now. Really, really good question, Alexis. I love, I love this one. Um, I think as life shifts, as you grow up, as you gain wisdom and knowledge and experience, like your perspective starts to shift on life and therefore your goals start to shift a little bit. So for me, I would say the early like twenties, like right out of college, I was so eager beaver, extremely career oriented. And not that I'm not now, I'm still a Mm go-getter. I'm still a really hard worker, but like 
I was, I was literally, it's just like goes to show. And I know you're the same way. Like when you see a goal and it's a lofty goal, you literally do anything to get there. And I was working like four random jobs in Chicago to like just get one chance to do a hockey show once a week on big 10 network that was running digitally that like mm-hmm. probably nobody saw, but, um, I was, I was grinding and I think it was great during that time of my life, but it was also like kind of ran me into the ground. Like I made it once I made it, I made it. And it mm. was quick. Like I broke into the NHLs with the hurricanes. And then after a year of that, I got promoted to NHL network, MLB network. So it was like, once I made it in, it was like national level go. And then this go. And then like working every day, like there was a month there that I like, after I left NHL network and went back to my hometown, Chicago, I was working Blackhawks and Big Ten Network together and I was like, I didn't, I wanted to make everyone happy and I didn't want to like, I couldn't say no because you're like wired. Like you can't say no Mm -hmm. to anything or you're going to lose your opportunities. Like it's such a like unhealthy scarcity mindset that can often happen when you're early in your career. Um, I'm going off on a long tangent here, but I swear it'll circle back if it makes sense. Um, And so when I was in Chicago, I like barely took any days off and then it started to take a toll on my health. So this is where the life lesson came in. Nothing super serious. It was just like my own, like my adrenals were burnt out. My hormones were all over the place. So I had to like take a step back from my career to really understand what's important in life. And then of course, losses along the way, you know, my Mm -hmm. losing one of my best friends, all those things happen and the fabrics of life kind of come together in a way where you're like, okay, what's really important to me. So as I kind of navigated through my hustle and my career to where I am today, um, I guess COVID was another good reset example. I stepped back enough to be like, okay, well, sports might never come back. So I guess I have to figure out my identity now. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a sportscaster. What am I? Who am I? What am I? You know? <laughs> so like, I guess having that well-rounded scope in life and that's the same for these athletes that we watch every night. Like, who are you outside of your sport? Like, those are the things you really have to face, especially when all the external factors fall away. And I feel like I was fortunate to have these lessons early on in life. I'm still young thirties. So I'm like well-rounded in my perspective. So I was actually ready to be done with broadcasting and COVID. (laughs) I was like, okay, this is where it ends. It was a good Mm -hmm. run. And, um, here we go. And then, um, the Dallas stars opportunity came about, well, actually pickleball kind of resurrected me into a different capacity. I was Mm -hmm. doing play by play, which is a new challenge for me as a female in that role. I was like, there's some upside to this. Like if even Mm -hmm. if pickleball doesn't make it, like I could maybe do play by play. And then the Dallas Stars came about and my one prerequisite, instead of it being like about the money or about the like, the whatever, the role, Mm -hmm. like those like ego things, it was more about like, who am I working with? Like, how are the people? Mm -hmm. Like, I I only cared about the culture. Like, how am I going to be treated in this position? How are your PR people? Are they going to let me have access to the players? Because I cannot do this job properly without that. I will not come here. I will not relocate (laughs) my life to come to a team that doesn't let me do my job properly. Um, there's a lot of barriers behind the scenes that in this role can be a challenge if you're not with the right people. So I would say with all of that said, now I look at career and life of like, I just want to be a whole well-rounded person working with and for really, really solid, good people. Um, and my health and inner peace is priority number one. So mm-hmm. if my job starts to take away from that, if the people I'm working with start to take away from that, then it's time to make a change. So that's, I've been able to shift my priorities a little bit to like put myself in a position where I'm like, okay, I need to take care of my needs too Mm -hmm. and prioritize those. 
that was a really long answer. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. It's I it, I love learning about it and where you <laughs> have come from and where you're at now. But that leads me to my next question. How has it been in Dallas and what has it been like covering the stars so far? Oh my gosh. It, Dallas is the stars is such a first class organization. They treat their people really, really well. And I give credit to the top Jim Nail being a huge part of that. I think um, when the organization is run in such a way that every person that's a part of your team, whether you're broadcast, whether you're sales, whether you're a player is treated with the utmost respect and kindness that trickles down through the whole organization. And so I will say I'm extremely fortunate um, to be working for an organization that has such high values when it comes to culture. So that's on the life side of thing. And that was, again, like I said, I wouldn't have taken this job mm -hmm. if I didn't feel confident that that was in place. And the PR is super flexible. Like I have full access to do my job, which is tremendously helpful. As you know, I like it, that just makes a world of difference when you don't have to jump through hoops to like talk to people to be like, right. I just need to get a story for the broadcast tonight. <laughs> like I just need to like access them. Please don't protect them. Like you're there. You're like, I don't know, coveted possession. Um, anyway, not, not, not that that dates back to anywhere, but, um, I've been a part of different organizations and I will say that the stars is definitely up there with how they treat their people and, um, and the health of their winning. I mean, mm -hmm. that's fun, but I will say the culture was consistent even when they were losing last year, when we were kind of down and out at the beginning of the year, we came back and made the playoffs, of course, but it, this year it's a winning team, but it's also always been like a winning culture, mm -hmm. so to speak. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's fun. The guys are great. Like it's such a good balance, young, old, somewhere in between. We're on a dad's trip right now, which is always fun. Um, I'm really enjoying the experience. Travel schedule is a bit of a grind. Mm -hmm. I won't lie. But um, as far as organization goes, Dallas is, is first class. Now, with that dad's trip, how has that been so far? And have they gotten to do anything, you know, off the ice together that you know of? No, I haven't been as plugged in with that because um, the L.A. game last night was mm -hmm. a national one. But all I know is that they well, Oh, wait. Yes, they went to a gathering, a team team dinner in Los Angeles when we arrived. I think it was what day is it today? Whatever day. Two days Today's ago. Wednesday. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So they did a, a big group team dinner um, with uh, the players, their dads and mentors, and then the staff members and their dads and mentors. And I think that's such a special aspect of this game, the seasons, like, and the mom's trip too. Like it, it, it like, brings a greater sense of community mm -hmm. um, into the mix and into the fold, especially for young players like Wyatt Johnston. He's 19 years old. He's living with Joe Pavelski, who's 38 years mm. old. Joe brings his brother on the trip. Wyatt brings his dad. Aww. Wyatt's dad gets to thank Joe for taking care of his son and basically being his second dad in Dallas. So there's so many cool layers to that. And then like, to me, it humanizes the guys like Jamie Ben, for example, he's like, a little bit close to the vest. He's not as open with the media, but then when you see him with his dad, you're like, Oh, he's a human. Like, that's cute. <laughs> like, it's nice. Like, I think mm -hmm. it's really, it's such a fun layer. And it's also just really cool to see like where these guys come from. Like mm -hmm. you learn a lot about people based on their parents and, and who, who they're, who they're rolling with from day one. Now, do you think having this trip right now after the holidays kind of has energized the group as well as they move into, you know, this next half of the year? Yeah, I think so. I absolutely think so. And I, I think the having a road trip prior to this one um, in Nashville and Minnesota and getting wins in two really tough places to get wins 
and leading the way in the central coming in with that kind of momentum. And then it's, yeah, it's, it's light at the end of the tunnel. Cause mm -hmm. you know, once you get to this part of the year, January, February becomes a freaking grind. Like these yeah. guys have been playing now. We're almost about halfway through the season. Crazy to say that, but it's like, you need little moments to mix it up. And I think moments like these, when the guys get to travel with their dads and play in front of their dads, it gives them a little more sense of purpose. And despite the loss last night, it still makes the trip have perspective, right? Like you have your family with you. It's still a great trip because your dad's there and your dad is so proud of you and he's watching you and he's cheering for you win or lose. And it's just like, all right, everything's going to be good. So I think it does add a little bit of that motivation factor. Now, one of those guys that you just mentioned, Joe Pavelski, he just signed a one-year contract extension. Um, how important was it to get that signing done, you know, for the continued future of the Stars? Oh, it was huge. And they were anticipating doing that in, like, February, March. Originally, Jim Mill projected. But um, Joe made it clear to Jim in December, he's like, I want to re-sign here. And I think there's a couple of layers to that, that of why that was important with the timing. Um, number one, I think it speaks volumes about Joe Pavelski's character. This guy could have easily went anywhere he wanted to make, you know, a couple extra million on he's a point per game player and mm -hmm. like I, I feel like it's a steal for the stars to be able to get him at that um at that cap hit but that's where you have these kind of guys like it, it, where they will take less money to be a part of the team that they believe in and that the organization that they want to be a part of and that's where I think you see high character high class for Joe but then I also think the layer there is he believes in this team like mm -hmm. he believes in this group he believes there's something special here he believes that this is a group that can go the distance. So any way, shape, or form he can he can do to help the team, whether that's take a slight pay cut, whether that's host Wyatt Johnson at his house, whether that's show up to practice early and teach Ty Delandry about tippins at the net. Like he he's just such a good and he's such a good guy. Like he's just a very talk to anyone in the league. Joe Pavelski comes up, they they love him. Like his teammates adore him. They love him. So for Jim Neal to prioritize that along with the other signings that they had to get done this year, Jason Robertson to start the year, Jake Ottinger to start the year, Rope Hints getting a recent extension. There's a lot of puzzle pieces that had mm -hmm. to fit in the in the cap space to be able to get that done. So, um, and I think for Jim, Jim has expressed and it's felt that he has so much respect for Joe Pavelski. So they wanted to let it be up to him. If he wanted the extension, they were obviously going to grant it. He was open and honest with him the whole time. Joe knew that. So I think that's to me, like good business practice. Like there's so many times in sports and whatever side of it, agents, all that stuff. It's like, there can be such a slimy aspect to it, you mm -hmm. know, like back and forth and just like low class stuff. And that's right. where I feel, and I haven't necessarily been a witness to that, but like the difference to me being in Dallas, like Jim Neal being able to handle these obligations with high class, with open-ended honesty, like fairness, respect, high class, like it's such a good deal. I mean, it's, it's just awesome that they were able to get it done even before they expected to get it done. But I think that speaks volumes on both parties. The team is going to be coming off a game last night in LA, a back-to-back -back for them on this trip. What did you see out of their game against the Kings that you think will roll over into their game tonight against the Ducks? 
Yeah, well, I think it was pretty even game there through mm-hmm. two periods. Um, and just in the third, Pete DeBoer said he felt like L.A. was just the better team there. But I think it's been um, a pretty consistent theme for the Stars. There's no, like, letdown in this group. Like, if they go down a goal, down two goals, whatever it may be, they have the firepower to battle back. Last year, that's a huge difference where they didn't necessarily have that um, mm-hmm. backing them offensively. Um, so I expect that. I expect, um, I was going to say goaltending to carry over. Scott Wedgwood will, will be playing tonight and, mm-hmm. and hasn't played in quite some time. So, um, But he's been so solid all season long. I feel like he'll pick back up where he left off. But um, I would say just the, the theme of high compete and high offense, which is a luxury to be a part of the season compared to last year when that was the opposite. And it's like, what's going on? Why can't we <laughs> score the goals? And that's always, you know, sometimes they go as the cliche in the locker rooms, as the, I should say, as the players with the cliche statement say in the locker room, sometimes they just go in, sometimes they don't. I'm like, Oh, cool. Is that how that works? <laughs> cool. Got it. Is that how you win a hockey game? You score more. Like, okay. It is. It is <laughs> uh, uh, good to know. <laughs> One of the familiar faces for the stars, they'll be able to play against John Klingberg for the first time, a former teammate for eight seasons in Dallas. Has there been any talk in the locker room that you've heard about the excitement getting to play against Klinger? Yeah, I think that it's always kind of strange when you're playing against a former teammate like that, but he, John Klingberg was beloved in in the stars locker room. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the guys are, Maybe not excited to play against him per se, but they're definitely excited to see him. Um, all of the the players that I heard from are just wishing him the best in, in his season and, and just hoping that he's happy in his current setups. Essel and Dell used to be his longtime uh, D partner, and he um, spoke about it last night that he was really excited to see him. And he was like, to be honest with you, it's, it's weird thinking about playing against him, but um, I'm sure there will be there will be chirps to be had <laughs> on the ice. He was. He was an active guy in the locker room, very charismatic, very funny. So I'm sure he'll be exchanging some words with uh, <laughs> with some of the guys here tonight. I had the chance to talk to him this morning, and that was one thing he did point out, that there was going to be chirps. <laughs> <laughs> did he say who he was going after? Uh, no, no, he didn't necessarily. But he, <laughs> he's really excited uh, to see everyone tonight, for sure. Um uh-huh. Now, one of the other things, too, that I wanted to mention, so the Stars have played a lot of back-to-back games so far this season, and they have two this month in general, this being one of them. Is that something that they've talked about and how to manage those games? I mean, that's really tough in the NHL and in professional sports in general, but. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, the the veteran presence on this team, the Ryan Suters, the Joe Pavelskis, the Jamie Benz, the Tyler Sagans, I mean, there's there's a perfect balance there of guys that like have been through the schedule mm-hmm. eight to 12 years now. So they're maybe not 12, but well, Joe's 12, um, that they're, it's not new to them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I don't think there's anything different to prepare other than um, getting good sleep, treating your body properly. It's just a part of the, it's a part of the grind. I think the, the guys that are most affected by it will be the younger guys, the Niels Lundqvist, the, Wyatt Johnston's, but um, to be honest, this season you really haven't seen much of a letdown even in these back-to-back games. And when you think about the junior schedule, the, these guys are going way harder mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of games, way a lot more games anyway than the NHL, maybe not harder because um, the level's certainly higher in the NHL. But um, 
I think it's more, Ryan Scooter always says, it's more of a, um, a mental mindset than it is, um, Hmm. physically. I mean, you're obviously tired. You're, we got, well, this one's not as bad because we, it was only a 30 minute bus from LA. So Mm -hmm. it's, we get there, we get in a reasonable hour. Usually we don't get into like 2am or whatever it is. Then you try and get a good full night's sleep. There's no way your body's actually sleeping that well at night. So I think that those are where it's a little bit more of a grind, but no, for these guys, I think it's just a mindset. And when the young guys look up the old guys and they're unfazed by it, they're like, okay, then we're not going to be phased by it either. And they just kind of roll on business as usual. So I would expect to see a little more jump tonight. I think they want to get one for their dads. Michelle McMahon. So great to have you here on duck stream. Excited to see you tonight at the game. Yay. So excited to see you. Thank you for having me on. It was so great to catch up and great questions as always. (laughs) Thank you. It's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show and the first one of 2023. So the ducks are facing off against the Dallas stars tonight. That being Wednesday at Honda center and continue to stay at Honda center this week with a game against the San Jose sharks on Friday at 7 PM. Thank you for listening to light the lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again for more hockey talk right here on duck stream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.